Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, we quiet our hearts this morning with an opportunity to look at your word, to be reminded of the rest that you have for us. Lord, for this past week, it's been on my heart, I pray it's been on your heart, the opportunity to find rest is found in you. And Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts and convict our our lives, Lord, in those areas that we need to make adjustments, where the changes need to be made. Lord, help us to come to terms with the fact that we haven't figured it out very well. We laugh at the, at the mice running in the circle, but Lord, in some ways, life feels like that. And Elijah this morning feels exactly like that, to the point that he's chosen or decided to give up. And Lord, it's hard, it's hard to find hope in that moment. And so, Lord, we ask that you call that you would come upon us this morning, even now, and give us, remind us of the hope we have in you. Remind us that when all things feel dark and cold, that we can still call upon you. That you offer rest in the difficult times. That you offer hope in an otherwise hopeless world. Open our eyes and our ears that, to that this morning in our hearts, Lord, that we might begin to make the changes that we need to follow you from a different place. A place of joy and a place of love and a place of care. And not a place of, of running and fear and insecurity and dissatisfaction. Help us to see, Lord, that there's a better way. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And if you're a children, you can child, and you can go to child church, children church. That's you too, Warren. Warren, you're allowed to go. You can go. Not that he was going to listen to me any other way, right? He was going one way or another. He's just making sure the picture was on the board. That's right. So you've had a week, and I'm not giving up on you, but I want to know what, Ken, Ken, yeah, Ken had two weeks. Ken, I had someone, uh, Jim Zabrowski sat there in second service, and I told him if he was going to sit in your, your seat, he was going to have to fill your shoes. He didn't do half the job you do. <laughs> I want to know what you learned about rest this week. I want to know if you contemplated or even thought about rest. We're going to talk about, this is the second week, there are six weeks. We're going to talk about rest and finding God's rest in our lives. And I want to know if you took five minutes this week. That's a pretty low number. If you took five minutes outside of the sanctuary and thought about rest, 
from God's perspective. Oh, Kathy did. I saw her put her hand up. <laughs> oh, she was shooing a fly. Never mind. <laughs> so she didn't spend five minutes. <laughs> Kathy, that was <laughs> Kathy, that was your chance. I had, I was just trying to I was trying to get your brownie points. <laughs> That's right, can't lie in church. Good point, Veronica. Oh man, I'm pretty you guys, no one thought about thank you. At least I saw thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I want you to think about rest from God's point of view. We saw what God did last week in Genesis when he created the whole world from nothing. And he took time to step back and take account of what he had done. And I want you to do that. I want you to think about rest from God's perspective. Because we get so tangled up in the busyness of this world that we forget that God is still in control. That God stepped back at that moment and recognized the work he had done. And I think all too often, we don't step back. I just talked to someone this week about a child who, was, uh, who had just turned one. And I said, hold on tight. <laughs> because they grow so fast, before you know it, they'll be graduated, right? And on to their next thing. And I think, and, and for the, the, pers- the couple who I talked to, they just can't fathom in their mind that 18 years will go by that fast. But I promised, I promised them and I promise you that if, if you have kids that are that old, you realize that so quickly they grow and we don't always appreciate the time we have with them. And, and we don't remember that that time goes by quickly. And that sometimes we just need to stop. You know, there used to be a Mac Davis song, Stop and Smell the Roses. My mom was a big Mac Davis fan, so I grew up listening to eight tracks. Yeah, that's how old I am. Eight tracks and a few records. We had a few records, but we had eight tracks for the most part. Sometimes we have to stop and smell the roses. We have to stop and take account of what God has done in our life. Today's passage is about Elijah. And it's a great story in 1 Kings 18. 19 is great as well. I didn't put all that in uh, for you to read this week, but I want to give you a little bit of a background of what happens. You may remember that 1 Kings 18, and if you don't, I'll tell you the story, is that there's a drought in the land, and Ahab is, uh, there's this big drought, and so the prophets of Baal get together, and... There's uh, 450 prophets of Baal. There's another 400 prophets of somebody else. I can't remember. I don't have it written down. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the whole story is this. Um, Elijah stands up and, uh, and he, he almost mocks the prophets of Baal. And he says, listen, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I got two cows. You get to pick. He says, you pick the one you want and I'll pick... I'll take the leftover, right? I don't want you to, I don't want you to tell me that uh, the sacrifice wasn't good enough. So he, ta- he, he lets the prophets of Baal pick a cow. They pick a cow and they uh, butcher that cow there and they get it all ready and put it on the altar and they prepare uh, everything. Uh, and, and here's the, the, the uh, story. There's two, there's two altars and one is the prophets of Baal and one is uh, Elijah and there's two sacrifices, and at the end of the day, we're going to see who's God, 
Elijah said, we're going to see whose God lights the fire on that altar and whose, whose God burns up that sacrifice. That will be the God we follow. And so the story goes that the, that the prophets of Baals did all their work and they began to wail and uh, cry out to their gods, small g, uh, and they cried out to their gods till lunchtime, and then they began to cut themselves, it says. That was one of the rituals they did in their... Um, yeah, and then he taunted them, right? He poked the bear. If any of you, if any of you guys are uh, bear pokers, you understand what that's like, right? He's poking these 400. Now it's one against 400. And, he's, and, and if you read the scripture, you see very quickly, he's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. he's jabbing them. And then he says, hey, well, let's build a trench around my altar. A nice uh, moat, if you will. Let's put some water on my altar. Psh, pours water on it. Psh, pours water on the wood. Drenches it all. And then he calls upon God, right? And we know what happens in the story. God shows up and burns up the altar. That's this picture, right? Burns up the altar, the sacrifice, on uh, and everything around it. And then Elijah says, hurry and grab those prophets of Baal. And not a one of those prophets gets away alive. Every one of them is uh, killed that day. Now, mind you, what was going on in this time was Jezebel, which was Ahab's wife, um, was out killing prophets of God at the same time. So there was a lot of prophets. A lot of prophets were being killed at this point. And they were going back and forth. And so Elijah killed, uh, they killed all of uh, those prophets of Baal. And, and so Elijah is on the run. And, and Jezebel was, was Ahab's wife, and obviously she wasn't a happy camper because the Scripture tells us, she says, May the gods deal with me ever so severely if by tomorrow you're not dead. If I haven't found a way to kill you in the next day, may my gods, small g, deal with me severely. And so Elijah knows he's on the run. He's going to be on the run. He's running from his, for his life. That's what verse 3 tells us. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Here's maybe the harder question. What are you running from? This passage reminds me that there's Two really big questions that we need to ask ourselves, and then a great reminder of God's provision. But the first question is this What are you running from? What is it in your life that's causing you to run? And maybe it's not even run from God, it's run from thing to thing. It's run from day to day to day. It's run from people and relationships. The next thing, the next thing, the next thing. What is it that you're running from? I'm not a name it, claim it guy. 
but I want to stop long enough here this morning in this spot for you to have to contemplate that idea. I want to stop long enough here for you to have to come to terms with the idea that I struggle not to run away from something. Sometimes I put my good shoes on, my good running shoes, right? The ones that are comfortable. And I run, and I run, and I run. And for some of us, it's emotions. We don't, wanna, we don't want anybody to see what's inside of us. The problem is sometimes it's up here. And it's really hard to run from ourselves. I wonder how hard it would be to run a race in those. Carol, I'll buy them if you wear them. <laughs> I, bet you wouldn't run a, I bet you wouldn't want to run 100 yards in those things. Right? But they're not built for running. What are they built for, Daryl? Those are slippers, huh? Yeah, those are M&M slippers, two for one, huh, Daryl? They're built for comfort, but not for running. They're built for sitting on the couch and for resting and for enjoying a moment. They wouldn't do well if we were trying to run a race. But they do well if we're trying to find rest. I'm pretty sure Elijah didn't have those on while he was running. And let me help you a little bit few things that I think Elijah was running from that relate quite nicely to what we run from. If we're honest, we love to run away from our insecurities. And sometimes we want to look bigger and badder and tougher and work harder and smarter and all those things because why? Because we feel insecure about who we are. Elijah was hopeless when he took off. Remind, remember, he had just watched God work an absolute miracle. And he turns the corner and he's feeling hopeless about his life. How, my, how many of us run because of fear? Fear of the unknown. Fear of a bank account that's not big enough. Fear of not being loved like we love someone else. Fear that someone is after us or will tr mistreat us. Fear that somehow we won't match up to God's plan for us. Heavy, but the reality is those are the things we run from. Anger. And you know, I, I, I love that, that picture for a reason. Because it is silly. 
And I don't know about you, but that was probably one of the best countdowns I heard the little guys just chuckling. Lauren was having a ball, huh, Lauren? That was a good countdown. It was a good countdown because it's funny. But the reality is, I watched it three or four times. And I recognized that so many of those situations, someone cut in on the wheel, right? They cut in on the wheel or they got in the wheel and they, they ran faster than the other mouse. And what happened? That mouse got tumbled. That one is going, he's, he is getting bounced around because his buddy came in and actually was faster than him. And so he got bounced around and around and around and around until he, he flew out. The one goes so fast he can't stop. And he literally goes around and around and around. That's why, Dave, when I said, which one are you, I was asking, which mouse were you in those, right? Because they all had different perspectives. One, Did you see the one where they actually worked together? There were two. And then they stopped the wheel so the third one could get in. Some of them couldn't handle it. One, one of them was trying to hold the wheel back. Did you see that one? He was trying to... Wait a minute, I don't want, I'm not going, you're not going. So much wisdom in little mice running around in a wheel. And really, if we're honest, feels a whole lot like the rat race. And I think Elijah in this passage is feeling like that. And he feels that way so much that he says, I've had enough, Lord. What does it take to get to the spot when you say, I've had enough, Lord. I give up. I just want to die. Boy, it'd be pretty shallow of me to think that someone here this morning hasn't hasn't or doesn't feel that way today. Because we're all humans, and we have struggles, and we have a hard time finding God's rest. I told you last week, and I'll remind you again, that I met someone two weeks ago who said, I just, I just want to be done with this mess, and I just want God to return. And I agree. But the reality is we don't get to pick that time. But Elijah had watched God do this miracle, had run a day's uh, away, and finally ran out of energy, out of steam. He ran out of time. He finds a bush, a tree to crawl under. And what's his hope? I just want to die. So I have to ask myself this question. Why is it that I am losing hope? Now it would be easy to say, well, look at the world, right? Watch the news, right? Talk to your neighbors or your family. You'll find out pretty quickly. But I'm not sure that's a good enough excuse or a good enough reason It's not okay. We have a hope 
in eternity. We have a hope for today as well. But like Elijah, sometimes we can't rest because we have no hope. Sure, we read the scriptures that say things are going to be new in the morning and it's going to be the sun is going to rise again. And things are going to be great tomorrow. But in our heart of hearts, we we aren't there. We're so torn up by the things of the world that we are beginning to lose hope. Elijah watched God work in his life. You know why he was giving up hope? It's a whole lot more like today than you maybe realize. The reason that Elijah gave up hope was this. I'm the only one left. There are no other Christians. There are no other people who believe in Jesus who are going to follow God and his plan. I'm a prophet. Elijah says, I'm a prophet. This is my job, right? I'm supposed to tell people, but nobody's listening. That's, what he, that's why we don't actually deal with that passage that, that's the other half of 1 Kings 19. But that's why he's giving up hope. He's giving up hope because he's struggling with the world around him. He feels like he's wasted his time. Jezebel is going to come after him and kill him. And he's not doing anything of any good anyway. That's the way he feels. And you may be there. And it's so the opposite of finding God's rest. Warren Wiersbe is quoted as saying, when we lose hope, we lose joy in the present because we have no confidence for the future. You may not have read the rest of 1 Kings, but I just want to give you a quick glimpse of what's going on there. That's another really cool big story. Right? So I encourage you that if you didn't read 1 Kings 19 to read the rest of the story. That part of the story in 1 Kings um, from like 10 whatever to the end is the story where, where uh, Elijah gets in the cave and God shows up. And he says, go out and wait for me. I'm going to pass by. You remember that story? I'm going to pass by. And we hear the earthquake, right? (laughs) Big storm. (laughs) At the end of the day, at the end of the story, it's God in a still, small voice who speaks to Elijah. And what he says is, keep going. Go find Elisha. And keep the ball rolling. That's what he's telling them. Keep the, keep the faith. Keep moving forward. That's the other end of the story. Now for the, the one thing that, uh, to me, is a great reminder in this passage. God supplies the needs of Elijah at his darkest, deepest, most difficult 
I believe that Elijah probably laid down, closed his eyes, and prayed that he would never wake up. That, that fits the story quite well, right? He'd had enough. I hope I die. I'm just going to go to sleep and hope I never wake up. But God shows up in the middle of the passage, right? In the middle of the story. He shows up with warm bread and a jug of water. And he tells Elijah, arise and eat. Let me fill you, Elijah. Let me fill you with what you need. And maybe that's the wisdom in this passage for us. May we need to allow God to fill us with his food, with his water. Maybe all too often we've tried to do it on our own. But Elijah wakes up to an angel who says, just get up and eat. The bread is warm and the water is cold right there next to you. And I was reminded this week that Elijah was in such a bad spot that he needed to do that twice. He got up, he ate bread and water, he went back to sleep and got woke up again. It reminds me that God restores people. Two weeks into this series and I'm quickly reminded of the scriptures that it has a whole lot less to do about what I can do for me and a whole lot more to do with what God will do for me if I'm willing to let him. If you don't learn or hear another word in this passage, understand that it had nothing to do with Elijah that he got food and water. God provided the food and water to give him strength for the 40-day journey he would be going on. And it's not the only time God provides for his people. There's another uh, great scripture. That one might be a little hard to read uh, in uh, Jeremiah. And we know about Jeremiah, right? He's the weeping prophet. He, he had a rough road. If you want to read a sad story, Jeremiah had a rough go. But Jeremiah 30, 17 says, But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Even Jeremiah, who struggled time after time after time because God's people wouldn't listen, was restored. I think all too often we feel alone. This is what Elijah says in uh, verse, I think it's 10. He says, I I'm all alone. I'm left. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one doing the right thing. Everyone else has turned away. Does that sound familiar to you if we go to the New Testament? That anybody? Isn't that what Jesus said when he was on the cross? 
essentially. He didn't say it that way, right? I'm all alone. They left me. Everyone was scattered like sheep. That's what Jesus is saying on the cross. Do you remember the, uh, the footsteps poem? Footprints in the sand. Do you remember that? I got a great story for you. Footprints in the sand. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? That was a big thing in the 90s, 80s and 90s. Now it's not that. Can you read that? It's in Spanish, yeah. I got a great. So my grandma used to do Christmas. And she had a lot of people to do Christmas for. And Grandma would always make sure that we had three or four different presents uh, for everyone in the family. But as Grandma got older, it got harder to go out. So she would buy more stuff like online. It was, it was more catalog stuff than it was, um, well, and that was pre-Amazon, right? <laughs> she would have been in love with, pre- with Amazon. But So she would buy all this stuff online, and she would buy it, and it would still be in boxes, and she would just wrap the boxes because she knew what it was, and it had come, and she, she would just wrap the boxes and put a name on it, and, and there was a pile. Grandma had a pile because there were a lot of kids, grandkids, grandkids-in-law, anyway. So my brother-in-law, Doug, uh, opens this gift from Grandma, and they had just gotten a house, and Grandma thought the footprints in the sand was a really cool poem, and so Grandma got the foot prints in the sand uh, for my brother-in-law and my sister. And as uh, Doug opens, he begins to laugh. Of course, Grandma doesn't have a clue because Grandma never opened the box. And it was footprints in the sand in Spanish. And his comment was, no hablo espanol. And we died laughing because you didn't want to embarrass Grandma because she hadn't opened it. But, and it was funny, but it was one of those, like, it was a great, and he said, thank you, Grandma, for the present. And we just kind of went, we went on with our, but if you know the footprints in the sand uh, poem, it's all about uh, Jesus. It says there's two, two sets of tracks, and then there's only one set of tracks. And, uh, and Jesus says, that's when I was carrying you, obviously, that's. The, the footprint, one footprint in the sand. In our passage today, I think Elijah is carried by God. In his most deep, dark time of need, Elijah is carried by God. God comes alongside. He takes care of the needs that Elijah has. And it reminds me that when I am looking for God's rest... I need to go to God. I'm not going to find it in other things. I'm not going to find it in busyness. I'm not going to find it in sitting on the couch. I'm not going to find it in a good golf game, although I like it, right? I like a good golf game on Sunday afternoon, especially on the couch. But that rest is not what satisfies. And it was said to me this week, I first thought... If I just took my calendar and just started scratching things off, so there's nothing left that, that I would find rest. But I think the wisdom is, under, is understanding that 
That's really not the case. We're not going to find rest in the things we do short of going to God. And I think that's where it all begins. I know that's where it all begins. Remember the scripture from last week, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, you all who are burdened, weary, and, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There are some here this morning who are fearing, feeling very weary and heavy laden. And the only place you're going to get that rest is from God. Jesus took our sin, our struggles, our burdens to the cross so that we might have rest. That's the only way we will find rest. And I think sometimes when we've been a Christian for a long time, we remember that in our head, but we forget that in our heart. Not that we aren't saved, but that we forget to make him first and foremost in our life. I think sometimes it sounds too simple. So let me challenge you this morning. If you're weary and heavy burdened, take it to the cross. Take it to the altar. Let God work in your life. Allow him. So here's the problem. As soon as we allow him, he begins to make changes. And that's when it gets scary. Because if he makes a change and we don't want that change, what do we do? We turn our back, we turn our head, we pretend like that wasn't really God working in our life. Let me challenge you this morning to let God work in your life. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. You are so good to us. Lord, there's, there's a guarantee there's only one place to find that rest, and that rest is in you. Lord, quiet our hearts this morning that we might hear your voice and make the changes that need to be made. For Lord, for those who are heavy, laden, and burdened, need relief. Bring us your relief. In your name we pray.